Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. And we are continuing our exploration of what is life like in this crazy pandemic that we're in and still trying to bring you um, great thinking, great trends, great technology discussions. And so I have my monthly guest, the lovely Jeanette Tapati, who I work with at StoryTech and who is, as the world knows her, a tech explainer. So let's have a big hand for Jeanette Tapati, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. <laughs> the audience was a little shy today. Yeah, I see. <laughs> so. Um, so, so we have been hard at work. Jeanette and I do a lot of um, a lot of um, events um, work together, and a lot of our events have canceled um, because, of course, of everything that's going on right now. And these were big uh, tech shows, and so we're hard at work at working with a lot of these same clients to figure out how they move through. Um, at a time when in-person gatherings are not really possible. And so all of us are um, turning to a lot of virtual tools. And of course, we're in the middle of what I might call Zoomtopia right now, which is actually the name of their live event. Um, and Zoomtopia is, is really this, everyone is jumping on to the Zoom bandwagon right now, right? Um, so we wanted to talk to you guys and share some of what we're doing um, that is, is looking at what are all these virtual platforms and how can we provide services and things to clients. So Jeanette, on that note, let's talk a little bit about what are the types of things that are available to companies to use right now. So there's a number of platforms that you can use. Um, Lori mentioned Zoom. And they, uh, they range in different sections, right? So there's webinar software, there's conference calling software, there's events, virtual event software, and they each have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, so the best thing is to match your event that you want to do, your online experience, to the type of event that software specializes in. So uh, if you really want to do a live call with 50 people, then a webinar software probably isn't your best bet. Uh, whereas if you want to do a webinar for 40,000 people, then conference calling software is probably not the thing that you want to look at. And, and that's really what everybody is looking at right now because that's all they have. You know, everyone's used to just using Zoom software, right? Right. Uh, because... You know, I think we're in that moment right now, like when television first started and they were reading the newspaper on the television screen to give you the news because that's what people were used to was newspapers. I think we're kind of in that space right now where everything is moving virtual, but people are just now starting to understand the true nature of what a virtual experience can be, how rich it can be, and how to make the event special using the tools that are unique to that platform. So we've been doing um, a comprehensive analysis of what a lot of the platforms are that are like there, like Mm -hmm. that. Um, So would you say, are they coming, are they in different groups of types of solutions, Jeanette? And do you have some favorites that you like right now? Well, for example, there's a small startup called, uh, run the world. I think they have a great platform for managing 
a lot of the trade show type things. So like quickly getting up a microsite and uh, quickly building in your, your, your agenda and all of your stuff so that you can uh, move the whole experience online more quickly. Um, the, Zoom is doing some great things. I think their uh, artificial backgrounds are a lot of fun and so you can brand the experience behind you without necessarily having to use a green screen, which is cool. Um, there's a company called Engages and they are doing some interesting things with the sort of trade show floor. So creating virtual booths that you can visit and virtual hosts that can introduce you to things. And then there are some companies like um, House Party that's doing some really interesting things with gatherings, live gatherings. Uh, Run the World also has a cocktail party feature. So it's really about companies scrambling right now to make the live uh, experience more, you know, the more prevalent online. So it's not just a big conference call. And I think that that's the really important part about all of this is that we're going to need to move past the conference call, right? Um, you know, and, and video solutions. I mean, I think also just in the last two weeks, everyone is already having, you know, Zoom, Zoom fatigue, right? Right. And um, like you could see my, my, uh, co my co-host here is uh, Molly. And right now, <laughs> people are very sort of patient about kids and dogs and all of that because people understand. Um, but I think eventually we're going to need to move to a more sort of professional look and brand for this online experience. I mean, right now, uh, just connecting is sort of novel, but uh, people are going to expect a higher standard, I think, as we move forward. Now, um, what are some of the things that you can do to bring that higher standard? So we know that there's additional sort of event software out there that's virtual that will make things more interesting, but are there other ways to change the game for all of this? Well, I guess we should talk about this in tiers. So tier one, like basic basic, is make sure that you have a good audio connection and make sure that you have some decent lighting so people can see you. Um, and, and, uh, you know, outdoor lighting is fine for during the day, but you know, like I've got a big old shop light on my desk for, for when I do things at night and, and you really want to have those basics down, but moving forward, I think we're really going to need to move to, pro uh, progressive, you know, like, um, professional level sets and green screen setups. And I think you're going to see, um, we're currently, uh, building out the extra bedroom as a studio and putting a green screen in. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that going on or partnering with companies where there's a skeleton crew and you can go onto a real soundstage and, uh, and do basic stuff. So, so this, uh, this idea that everyone is going to become a mini broadcaster, which has sort of been bubbling up along the way, but you think this whole thing will induce that? Yes. But here's one thing I want to explain about that is uh, being on camera and being and speaking in a live venue are two entirely different talents. And I think uh, the patience for people trying to share, trying to make those interchangeable is, is starting to run thin. So 
when you are on camera, you need to be bigger, you need to be more brief, you need to be uh, more concise. And, and, there, and there are certain basic things about eyelines and stuff that um, executives are really going to need to learn because they're going to spend a lot more time interviewing on camera than ever before. And um, for these executives, do you think that it'll become a new part of their corporate strategy to uh, have this skill set to be trained this way? I think it has to be. I mean, I, I can't see any way around it. I mean, live events for the next couple of months at least are just, I don't think they're going to, really be happening and so if you're going to communicate this is how you you need to do it and uh so i think that those skills are going to be essential and i think in a way it's important to look at this investment right now not so much as uh an or but rather as an and right because even when things get back to normal you'll have this skill set, you'll have this tool in your toolbox, and you'll be able to use it to enhance everything you do, whether it's live events or virtual, you know, as an add-on to a live event or as a whole nother venue to reach people. So it's not like this time that you spend right now is wasted. This time is incredibly valuable to adding to your business. Right, and we, we have partnered with a company that is so interesting and so ahead of their time because they are actually a live interactive streaming company who has been working a lot with Amazon's Twitch and with Microsoft Mixer and a variety of products that actually bring interactivity to the live stream. So can you talk to us about what some of those capabilities are? Well, I think that the virtual the esports guys are way ahead of the curve and they have been for a while and uh, uh that's for a lot of reasons they're used to keeping people engaged on uh, online for hours at a time not just a 10 minute video but for hours and so they've really built in those interactivity tools where you have the chat stream that's moderated and the the screen is dynamic where you are seeing really great online hosts in combination with background videos of people playing games or not. I mean, Twitch is not just for games anymore. There's cooking and there's all different kinds of things on there. But it's really about the ability to emotionally connect with your viewer in a two-way discussion that is what the esports guys are bringing to the table. And ButcherBird is a wonderful example of this. They, uh, they have that high-end, young, hip, sexy stuff, but they are also professional enough to bring the brands into this space and allow them to, um, and allow them to experience this energetic dynamic and, uh, in this environment. So we're seeing some really cool green screen stuff. We're seeing some really great interactive tools uh, that they're using. Okay, so let's let's um, pull out a little bit from sort of the tools discussion, and then let's talk about you know an event strategy. Um, so if you were um, if you were an event company and you're looking at the next couple of months where you can't do any in person gatherings, so you're trying to figure out do I cancel or do I do some kind of virtual event, um, and then what happens when in person's back again? 
So what are your thoughts about, you know, what should your strategy be moving forward? We're in this moment in time. We can use a variety of these different virtual tools we were just talking about. We can add in some of the interactive streaming functionality we were just talking about. But what happens, what happens next? Like, what should we be thinking about? Well, one thing I'm going to suggest is that nobody really knows exactly what's going to go down for the next six months. I mean, there are people that are making all kinds of predictions, but the reality is you don't know. So first and foremost, you need to communicate with the people in your world. You need to communicate with your exhibitors, you need to communicate with your speakers, and you need to let them know what's happening, what your thinking is. Then I would say there is no harm in exploring every virtual opportunity because even if you decide that you want to keep your show running, you may not have that choice when it comes the date for that show. So there's no harm in learning as much as you can about virtual and figuring out what it would take to go virtual. Because as I mentioned before, all of that learning can still be utilized even if you decide to do a live show. But if, if it were me, I would be uh, looking at those different platforms, but I would also take a step back from the platform and I would figure out what each element of your show is designed to do and figure out how to make that happen in a virtual space. It may happen in a different way, but instead of saying I need to have a booth online, which you may or may not need, you need to discover what does the booth do for the exhibitor? What does the booth do for the attendee? What does the booth do for our show? And what is the best virtual way to accomplish that? Then I would also be looking at how do I make this as entertaining as possible, right? Because your show, your, your live show, people are out of their environment. They're not home with their dogs and their kids. And they have all these distractions at home. So you have to compete with that. And that means that you have to be compelling. And that might mean tightening things, making them shorter, making more breaks, making a lot more interactivity like quizzes and polls and chats and affinity groups and things to keep people watching. Those are some of the things that I would be doing if I had an event coming up. Uh, now, I, I totally agree with you. Here's the one thing I've noticed this week. And again, we're trendmeisters, so we're always kind of compiling a lot of information to come up with some business ideas. But, you know, again, everyone and their brother has is participating in this um, Zoomtopia. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and so you have people who are, um, you know, meditation gurus doing meditation on Zoom you have exercise classes happening now on Zoom or even the more the deeper explosion of fitness classes that were that was already happening you have um, therapy happening on Zoom you have all these things now that are moving into virtual channels so how would i have the patience or wherewithal to want to participate in a virtual conference like how do we move past sort of um, what I think is going to become people are tired of sitting in a chair and watching something. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think uh, part of what's happening right at this moment is that people are fearful 
and they're connecting because they're scared and they don't know what's going to happen. And this is replacing one to one connections with uh, people in, in the real world, right? So people are starving for that connection, so they're willing to put up with a lot. But uh, as company, you know, right now, the early birds are getting the worm, the ones that figured out how to move quickly um, are moving to the front. But as we move on, as every online space is, it gets more and more crowded and there's more and more competing for people's attention. So it's, it's really, I mean, it, it is about, for example, I've run into a company, I can't remember their name right now, um, we'll put it in the, uh, the comments, but um, there's a company right now that I had a conference with yesterday that provides lunch. <laughs> like, you know, like you can't do business lunch, so they send me a, a, a link and I go and I ordered my lunch and El Pollo Loco delivered my lunch in time for our conference call. So there's companies that are really moving quickly to, to make that sexy. And what they're finding is if you provide food, you get a 95% attendance rate rather than a 20% attendance rate. So you have to constantly be figuring out what kind of edge you can bring to make people come and entertain them when they get there. So um, do you think, though, that, I, I mean, I don't know how else to say this, but like, all right, you're, you have, because you have a, a whole other brand that you work on, a content brand, you've set up a whole new setup in your, in your house. Right. Um, and, and can you maybe talk a little bit about your strategy and your planning around that? And maybe that will help me get to this question of how do you decide what to do, you know? Yeah, so in my case, uh, my classes are relatively small and they're beginners and they really rely on the social and emotional interaction. So the idea of me just streaming one way just wasn't going to work for me. So I developed a class, um, we're doing it on Hangouts, where the students can talk and, and laugh and participate through the whole class. Now that meant we had to develop some custom technology and luckily I'm sheltering in place with a technology genius, so that helps. So uh, that, that's my husband, not so much my co-star over there. And um, we developed a system that allows you to play music and mix that together with the AV equipment we have at home. And then we needed a blue to work a Bluetooth headset in there because I couldn't really teach classes that well tethered to this kind of a headset. So um, at first, while we were working it out, I actually had one student who provided the feet, and then I exercised it connected to the computer, but it was, you know, so you figure it out, but it was less than ideal. And so we were on our third iteration already yesterday with a fully integrated music and Bluetooth solution and students laughing and giggling and, and having a great time. But it allowed us to both exercise to music and have that emotional uh, one-to-one live connection that is required to make that class work. Whereas another class, maybe a more hardcore class that has people, you know, working in a different kind of environment, of one-way stream would be just fine for that. So you really have to look at what does your live experience offer and how can you provide that online instead of just doing a knee jerk and saying, well, I have to do Facebook Live. Well, 
my students aren't going to comment in the middle of a workout. They're not going to type. So I had to figure out what would work for them. Right. And you were telling me um, when you were putting all of this together that one of the things that you were thinking about is that you needed full body shots because you're doing dance steps. Right. Um, but, but the nature of how it was set up, you weren't being able to get a full shot. So how, no. did, you get, how did you get okay. around that? I, I literally, for my, for my MVP, for my first iteration, I, I was tethered with this. And so I exercised with a shot from the top of my body up. <laughs> I had another student put their iPod, um, who knew my routines really well, put the iPod on the floor and record their feet. So they could see the top half here, and then they could see the bottom half at the bottom of the screen, so they could kind of work it out. But <laughs> that was obviously a less than ideal solution. But sometimes you have to just get out there and make the emotional connection, and then people will have a little bit of patience while you work through the technology, at least this week. A month from now, I don't think people are going to have that patience. So... I would recommend that people get in, start learning now, but also be prepared to provide a more professional experience a month or more down the road because that patience is going to go away. And, and um, do, do you, uh, you, you are using Microsoft as your, your solution for all that you're doing? I think no, no, actually I'm using um, Google Hangouts. Okay. And um, I'm using, I've got like a Focusrite, which is like a piece of AV gear that we have at home, and an Anchor Bluetooth speaker. And um, my husband is using some audio routing software that he found to make all the audio connections in the Mac platform that we're using. So, um, like I said, I'm sheltering in place with a technology genius, and you may not have... <laughs> <laughs> you might not have that guy with a pile of AV equipment in the garage. So, you know, this is a good time to, uh, to rely on. Be kind to your technology friends because you need them right now. They'll talk you through it. I mean, I have actually been soliciting colleagues online for uh, things that even though I do this daily and have been for the last three years and even having set up a pretty good audio system at home for the podcasting, um, I never needed to hear what I was doing with headphones because I was by myself. Well, now I'm homeschooling with a 10-year-old who can hear everything I'm doing, and so I need to figure out ways to communicate that or hearing all of it just because physically the way the house is structured. So I had to solicit what's a good you know, headphone speaker solution. What's my time life operator solution for all this? Right. And it, and it, what, what I'm finding so, so interesting about this moment in time is that people are responding who I would never think have knowledge about this. Um, mm -hmm. But it's because they've been forced to do the analysis. And so I got all these recommendations on the right headset. Um, also lighting, also is becoming a big thing. So a lot of people yep. are recommending um, the circular light. Uh, I'm, I don't know if you could explain to people why that's so popular right now. Well, so lighting is important and um, lighting is tricky because you have the amount of light and the temperature of the light, the color of the light. Now, natural sunlight is, is great. And, and that's my um, office has always had my camera and my monitor against the window. So the natural light bounces directly off of me. 
But um, I also, for the moment, like I said, I have a shop light that I'm bouncing off a big piece of cardboard for nighttime um, while I'm waiting for my Amazon ring light to come in. Now, the ring light is, it's an LED light. It's, it's a bunch of LEDs in a circle, and it makes a really bright light. But you can also, in many cases, in many models, control the temperature of the light. And that's really important, too, because everything from what you're wearing to the color of the walls behind you is going to impact the lighting in the room. And uh, for most of us, setting up an RE three-point light kit is more sort of technical than we want to get. So this ring light really is very forgiving, and it doesn't require a lot of power, like um, a lot of the traditional lights you know, you would plug them in and you would almost guarantee to blow a fuse somewhere. So uh, the ring light uses a lot less power. So you just can plug it into an outlet and you're good most of the time. It's just really interesting. All right. So lighting, there's sound, there's camera, if, if whether you're using your web camera or not. Now, here's a topic that most people don't think about when it comes to how do you move through virtual and live streaming. But um, what about music rights? Because I have a theater company that I sit on the board of, and they actually have um, great live shows and great content, but they use, um, you know, professional music. Like they use already created music that they have a license for in a live theater environment, but they don't have a license for in um, – you know, in a live streaming environment, they don't have the rights and they know if they post it, it will be removed from online. So what do they do in a situation like that? Yeah, that's, that's tricky. Um, you need to understand the rights, uh, situation for anything you use, whether it's an image or, you know, like a stock photo or stock video or music. A lot of that, um, is royalty based. So, it's it's always determined by the use and then if it's unless it's royalty free it's determined by how many people look at it most of the time performance rights in a theater are only for live performances and they don't work for uh for broadcasting so in some cases you can cut around it uh because the text of the play is probably okay um or you know, if you are not if you're not doing a live performance, there are a lot of sites where you can get royalty-free music very inexpensively. Um, I'm a huge fan of Pond Five, and I did my whole last workout video with music from Pond Five. There's great, great clips that you can get starting at like twenty bucks for a royalty-free clip that you can put underneath your video or put in your music. And I mean, put in your uh, podcast or webcast and music is really important it adds a lot of liveliness it makes things much more compelling but you're not going to get away with pirating things like you could in the past simply because the algorithms for searching and finding that music are so good you know chances are if you use something that's known and popular it, in minutes it's going to get yanked down one other thing, though, that I did want to mention is that if you are on YouTube, if that's your platform, YouTube does have a rights management program where you can use licensed music for some things, certain, certain types of licensed music, as long as you're willing to give the revenue from your podcast or broadcast 
the ad revenue to the artist, well, to the distribution company and um, not monetize for yourself. So that's something you can look into as well. And do you think a lot of people are going to be um, trying to explore ways to monetize, um, monetize their live streams? Well, I, I think they're going to have to because many of these people were monetizing live events. So, um, I mean, I, I can't see the need for making money to go away. So I, I think that, yes, monetizing is going to be pretty important for a lot of companies going forward. And that's not, that's not that easy. I mean, you have to decide with your audience what you can get away with. Are you going to do a paid subscription? Are you going to do a advertising model? Are you going to do, are you going to offer free content as a means to do sell through to other products that you charge for? Um, there's not a lot of patience for ads right now and there's not a lot of patience for paying for content. So I would really think about if you're going to offer content and you need to make money, how can you use the content as a front door for something that you're charging for? Because that's really the most successful model I'm seeing right now. Okay, so, so again, going back to the pieces of this crazy puzzle. So there's the streaming software or the virtual solution that you decide to use. There's the production company, you know, the people that are, um, or your choice of how you shoot the video and, can, you know, get the video into your system. There's the recording of all of this um, and the lighting of all of it and then the music rights. Mm -hmm. um, and then lastly, like what, what is the business model around all of this? So do you expect that your average Joe in business, um, you know, brands, executives, all of these people will be doing this and there'll be a flood of all this content online um, will, will they all get to professional quality? Like how, what's, what's it going to be like out there with a sea of live streams and virtual content coming from everyone? It's almost the same problem we have with all these over the top and connected TV solutions, like, you know, all this content, but how do we find it and what are we going to watch? So what's, how are we going to sort through this extreme amount? I mean, I'm telling you, it's just like I was telling you in, in Zoomtopia, I could be watching someone's Zoom video throughout my entire day. There's so much happening right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what, how do we move through this? Well, actually, I, I've been around long enough to remember sort of the beginning of the Internet. And um, I, <laughs> one of my favorite books ever is Web Pages That Suck. Because at first, they were just, they, there was a lot of really, really terrible websites until the tools got better and were more templated, and people learned that they couldn't just throw anything up there and expect it to work. And they started turning to the professionals who could make them look good. I think we're in the exact same space right now with online content. There's going to be a new flood of just terrible content, and people are going to get tired of it. And uh, people are going to start turning to better tools that are better templated, but most importantly, they're going to turn to professionals that know how to do this and make them look good because they are, they are experts at what they built a career upon, not necessarily experts on this. So I think the guys that want to stand out and the, the women that want to stand out are going to turn to a trusted professional team to just make them look top-notch and professional. Right. So it's the same thinking that you would bring to anything else you're doing. 
Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you have to get some core capabilities here. And you do have to do something right now. You can't just wait until this right. passes. Um, so you have to make some smart initial moves. Um, and there, again, are various flavors of this. Right. I think the next two weeks or three weeks are a grace period where you can just put something out there, even if it's bad, and learn. But beyond that grace period, then you're going to need to do something better. Oh, you think it's going to move that, that fast where people have to get good because there's just so much of it happening now? Yeah. It's I, like, I mean, it's like dog years. <laughs> it, it is like dog years. I mean, because people... Um, People are used to instant innovation. They're used to uh, the, the things getting better instantly. They're used to this rapid technological up-ramp. And they don't have a lot of other places to go right now. So there's a lot of attention here. And, uh, yeah, I don't think the, the patience level is going to last real long. I think it's really a couple of weeks. And huh. I think after that, you've got to have your stuff together and you've got to look like you know what you're doing. Now, th th there's one little funny side note here that's been happening that I've noticed. And I, 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 this to me is akin to that now you don't have to have proper spelling or useful words when you're writing emails or text messaging. It's like the level of what people accept as professional has changed when it comes to communication, right? You don't even have to like know how to address a letter anymore. <laughs> It's like, the, the, you know, the quality and the, un, the formality has disappeared in, in text and audio and uh, text communications. So when, we, when it comes to this kind of thing, so earlier, you know, I'm at my, um, my brother's house today um, for a variety of different reasons, but he's my, my uh, one family member that, um, you know, we're staying, not staying socially distant from. And um, I, um, he's walking in making lunch. <laughs> While I'm in the middle of my show, um, but we're at his house, and or my daughter has interrupted like 500 business calls over the last couple of weeks. And in the beginning, it was weird, and then sort of amusing. And now it seems people have um, gotten mad about apologizing about it because now it's happening to everyone because of all the homeschooling. So, what do you think will be the accepted level of like the level of this? engagement in a Zoom call or on an interview or in, in this world? Are, are interruptions going to be tolerated? Because remember the big stink with the humorous stink and the vir virality of the BBC guy who was doing a, um, you know, a report and his child came in and he was yeah. quite harsh with his child? I know. And later we discovered that it was because he wasn't wearing any pants. So the lesson we can take from that is... is wear pants. Is wear pants, right? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty... That's like a one-on-one thing, right? Wear see, pants. See, everything your grandmother ever told you. Yeah, like, too. I mean, that's pretty basic, right? <laughs> but, but I think it's important to also understand that just like there are different kinds, different forms of written communication, there are different forms of online uh, audiovisual communication, right? So yes, if you're writing a text, you don't have to use formal English. However, if you're writing a cover letter and a resume, you're expected to have, you know, reasonably good spelling and, and, and it's supposed to be articulate, right? So if you're having a Zoom call with your colleagues over lunch, about what you're doing about the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, if your kid comes in and your dog comes in, okay. If you're doing a presentation for 40,000 people on a webinar, 
you probably are expected to have that be at a higher level. So you really need to think about your communication. Like if you're on air with the BBC, that should probably be a pretty high level. That you mean you should wear high. you should wear pants. You should wear pants, right? <laughs> if you're on with the BBC, wear pants. You know, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about your relationship with your coworkers, but I think you should always wear pants when you're on video. But, <laughs> you know, call me old fashioned, call me old fashioned, but. <laughs> right. So, so again, we're in new territory here. We're in new uh, cultural, you know, memes per se. And we're trying to figure out like what, what the right, how we move forward with this. So there'll be levels of formality um, in this world. Um, and obviously if you're doing a keynote on zoom in front of thousands of people, you're probably going to make sure that you aren't interrupted by your child or your relative or your animal. Um, but in these other environments, there will be a toleration for, you know, a break in all of this because it's so different than it was two months ago when my daughter was sick and you've been on these calls with me. Uh huh. And she popped her head in, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, that's so cute!" And now it's like so different, right? It's you just know? like a Tuesday. It's just everybody, right? right. It's but not an unusual I, thing. I think my favorite thing is while you're waiting for your professional headphones to come in. I think you had like pink Dora the Explorer headphones on earlier. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> I I have pretty much used almost anything I could find in my house. <laughs> <laughs> we were on like a client call or something, right? And I, yeah. had, yeah. I had her pink headphones on, right? Oh, um, yeah. Well, I think we're all in that space, right? At least until Amazon starts accepting orders for non-essential goods, we're going to, you know, we're going to scrap stuff together. Yeah. But that's why, um, like, the, the relationship that we have with Butcher Bird, where we can, if we need to, we can go to a studio that's a short drive, that has a skeleton crew where we can all maintain that six foot social distance and do that highly professional recording when we need to, um, that having that, having that tool is a really good thing to have in our, in our toolbox. And, and I will, and I will say that the um, ability to do that is going to change based on the location that the executive is in because right now in New York, which is the, um, you know, sort of ground zero right now, mm -hmm. um, um, no one's leaving their homes and LA where we're, we're based is about, um, 12 days away from that. Right. So, um, and various States are going through this as the curve sort of gets higher and down. So, you know, whether you can, leave a studio or not. But I, I think the larger point is that anything that happens between now and the next couple of months as we move through this is going to inform how brands and companies and content players move through leveraging virtual tools because there's no stuffing it back in the box, right? That, um, that is correct. And like so I said, none of that energy is wasted, right? All of that right. learning is valuable. And a lot of business as usual isn't happening right now. So you can like hide under your desk with a pint of ice cream or you can learn how to do this. Differently. And are there resources out there, Jeanette, that you would advise people to like check out? I mean, obviously emailing us at info at story tech.com and we'll get back to you with solutions and we're happy to help everyone out with information right now. 
um, on, on how to move through getting set up for virtual broadcasting um, and virtual conferences. But on another note, are there other um, you know, Twitter feeds, websites, resources that you would go to right now to keep up with all of this? I mean, I know you, you just turned to your husband and you asked him a question. <laughs> but, but, not everybody's that lucky, yeah. yeah. <laughs> although, although we're suffering because we can't just go to Best Buy and pick up the right that we need. Right. And, so, and everything is now taking two or three weeks to be delivered. Right. So there's so that's, that. a, that's a challenge. Um, so I think a lot of it, that you can learn just about anything on YouTube if you, if you uh, take the time to search. And um, I, I, I guess I don't really, other than talking to us, which we know a lot about it, um, I don't know that there's any really magical place to go. Uh, go to the tools that you already use. Like uh, I use Bizbo for some events, and they just announced this morning that uh, they, are, they are doing something new in virtual conferencing. So your trusted partners are moving forward. So keep an eye on that. But just hit the news, go to go to Digital Daily and, and, and look at some of those different uh, spaces on YouTube or online and, and you'll find really good advice. Yeah, I, I think um, your point is well taken that any um, brand, um, content company, um, anything that you normally interact with, IP of any kind that you interact with is coming out with a solution right now. And I've been signing up for people's Zooms and these virtual conference softwares and different things just to try them out like you did your lunch yesterday. Uh-huh. And so I think you should stay close to the, to, to the brands and the shows and the, even the celebrities. Like I was watching um, this morning, Arnold Schwarzenegger has been doing daily broadcasts. And he oh. has these um, miniature horses. Yes, I've seen this. Yes. I mean... <laughs> He lets them in the house? Yes. Let, let me just say that in a way... Um, the so this is good and bad. I know. Right. <laughs> celebrities are a really good example of why you need a team, right? Because there's a lot of celebrities out there yeah. that are really usually entertaining people that are new to this medium, and they look terrible. They're not lit well. They don't have good audio. They aren't coming up with the right kind of material. Um, I mean, some of it is charming, but yeah. the bloom is kind of rapidly coming off the rose where it's just like, I don't know that I need to see this guy's mini horse and donkey. And Although I, what, what I do respect about all of them is, um, most of them, um, mm -hmm. is that uh, they're, they're trying to get everyone to stay home. And, um, and they're broadcasting about, you know, how to be responsible American citizens or global citizens or whatever it is. But um, so I do appreciate that. Um, and, and it does a little bit work for him because he's so weird anyway. <laughs> yes. I mean, and because, and because he's kind of taking a folksy, this is just me kind of approach. Whereas like the Twitter, uh, the, the imagine song thing with the yeah. celebrities, that's an example of something that I think was poorly planned. I mean, y'all yeah. can figure out like one key, that would be a good start. Right, and, right. And a right. little bit tone deaf. I mean, right, I really right. don't know that I need to see you sitting on your, you know, half million dollar tennis court telling me to just keep my chin up, you know, right, when, right, right. I'm just trying to find toilet paper, you know, right, I mean, right. But, no, you're right, right. There needs you, to be, there needs to be, and, and also I didn't recognize half of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't recognize half of them because they do look different. Right. So there, so 
you know, there could be some brand damage here too, I think, but maybe people will have a, a short memory for all of that. And then there are people that are doing things that are associated with their brand that makes sense. Like Debbie Allen did a Instagram a dancing class that people are loving. Huge success. Right. And people are loving it because it's, it's got value. Um, and um, I also appreciate millennial heroes getting on, getting onto their uh, uh, Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts and telling millennials to stay home. Mm -hmm. um, and younger folks, people that can reach their audiences. So this is a moment in time where you can use your channel appropriately, but at the same time, you've got, you still got to be careful. So there are a lot of ways to, to move through all of this. So we're going to wrap um, today's show, speaking of how to move forward in virtual ways, with our fabulous tech explainer, Jeanette DePatty, on our monthly tech cat show guest, um, and uh, summing up all the um, virtual solutions um, that you can you know, how you should move really through this period of time, both from a technical perspective and also from a, um, you know, a um, brand perspective. How do you move through this? What's the impact of it? What should you be doing and what you should not be doing? Any last words, Jeanette, before we wrap today? Yeah, I'm not sure you should call me your monthly guest. People won't be looking forward to seeing me. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, our engineer, Aaron, loves it when you come on. So he's always excited um, <laughs> um, to have you. But I think it's great to have um, uh, your expertise um, as we move through all of this. And um, you're digging into uh, tons of new platforms daily. So we'll definitely um, circle back in a month and see where we are with all this. So ladies and gentlemen, it's been great talking to you again. We're coming from Los Angeles. We're here in like week two, I think, of the stay home for the global pandemic. We're doing our best to keep bringing you insights and thought leadership um, and uh, today's discussion about, you know, how do you move through this from a virtual content perspective. Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe. Um, do, do what's right. Think about ways that you can um, help your country right now as we all move through this. Um, and we'll see you next week, hopefully healthy and um, learning new things about our new world. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 